and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 31, and oh man, we are so, so close. Avengers Endgame is finally here. When this episode debuts, I'll be seeing it later that night. I'm seeing it Thursday evening. So hyped. Um, So yeah, this week, because Phase 3 is so massive, this is easily the longest of any of the phases, not doing any movie news. We're just going straight into the discussion. Uh, but before we get into the discussion, Josh, how are you doing tonight? Oh, it's it's been a day. I'll tell you what, man. But um, a rewarding day nonetheless. So, yeah, man. Uh, I, I like you, and I'm going to be seeing uh, Endgame this weekend, which you gave me crap about because... We're like, oh, I said, I was like, I'm going to just go see it Friday. And you're like, wow, that's really early for you. Are you okay? Yeah, you normally see weekends at the earliest, the weekend after they come out. So, um, well, what'd you think of Shazam? Uh, I still haven't seen it. Exactly. Yeah, I know. But I uh, assume you've seen almost all of the Phase 3 movies. So let's talk about that. We're going to go through, yeah. as per usual, I, we're going to go through all the Phase 3 films. We'll say our favorite and least favorite films of this installment of this phase or whatever. And then we'll go through all the movies again and give you the important information that we think you're going to need to know before Endgame. Um, Kicking us off is what a lot of people label as their favorite Captain America movie. Me, personally, it's not, but I still really enjoy it. I know you do not, Josh. Captain America Civil War. Yeah, no, uh, this movie's trash to me. Is it, though? Honestly, yes. I Okay, so here's the thing. There's only one thing worse, in my opinion, than making a, a bad movie. Making Robin Hood? I mean, we differ in opinion. But um, in that is making a, a good-looking movie with a nonsensical plot and trying to pass it off as a big deal. How is it nonsensical? Just to hear your thoughts on this. Because okay. I know you hate it, but I've never really gotten an explanation of why you hate it. So here, first of all, this isn't, there, it's not a civil war. No, there are no consequences at all. Period. Because even at the end of the movie, they still go, oh, okay, well, I guess, you know, I'll still be there for you when, uh, when you need me. Um, the main bad guy's plot relies a lot on chance and plays a lot off of how um, Tony and um, Steve will react to certain things. Now you can sit here and say like, Oh, well he knows their personality so well that he, he just kind of planned for that, but mm, I don't buy it. Um, Also it's, I, I just don't, there's a lot of, of, so in my opinion, I'd have to go back and rewatch to give you exactly play by play why I don't like it. But at the end of the day, it's not Civil War. And, and a lot like Age of Ultron, it kind of falls short on what it on really what it should have done, in my opinion. Like War Machine should not be alive, period. Yeah, I, I will always say that until I'm blue in the face. It definitely War Machine should have died. You're in a metal suit and you fall a couple thousand feet from the sky and maybe would have given stakes then. Um, but I definitely disagree. I really enjoy Civil War. 
Not nearly as much as I like Winter Soldier. I still don't really get how Civil War, a lot of people consider Civil War above Winter Soldier. But I really enjoy Civil War quite a bit. I like the narrative. I like the dynamic. And any movie that gives me an excuse to hate Iron Man even more, I'm okay with. Because to me, Iron Man really is the true bad guy of the Avengers. Almost everything bad that happens to the team is his fault in some capacity. But he never takes accountability for it, and I kind of really hate that. And that's kind of why I'm rooting for him to die in Endgame. Um, But Civil War is like his second movie in a row where he just does idiotic things but doesn't take responsibility for it. Age of Ultron before this, now Civil War. It all really comes down to him. That being said, though, I still really enjoy this movie. My main weakness, and it's been a weakness I've not really enjoyed for um, a lot of his appearances— and that's Bucky. I've never really cared about Bucky as a character. The only reason I even remotely give a crap about him is because Cap cares about him. But as a character, I can't really define um, Bucky. I can't really describe his personality. I just know him as Steve's friend. Yeah. No, and I, I'm with you on that. And part of that's why I'm not... A, it doesn't make sense to use him as such a pivotal little pawn in this story. Because really up to this point, he really has just been Cap's friend. And I just, because the big thing is Bucky's pretty like pretty as far as when it comes to fighting and stuff like that. Like I could, the dude has it down. I enjoy watching him fight and I get the brutality of what they're going for through him. But with that being said, I just, I'm with you on that. I, I think he's lacking a lot of character and a lot of something to get behind him, which is one of the reasons I think we'll discuss it later. If they're going to pass the torch, which I feel like they are, they're going to have to give us a reason to get behind Bucky. Yeah, I, I'm sure we'll get into it later, but um, yeah, I don't think we're done with the Bucky character entirely. Uh, Civil War still does have that one fantastic standout, though, and that's, um, oh, was it the airport scene? I'm surprised I was blanking on that. The airport scene is fantastic, and the introduction of Spider-Man, which admittedly, I hated, um, Spider-Man when we first got that first trailer where he swings in, he's like, hey, everybody. I don't know what it was, but I hated it, and then... I saw it in the context of the movie, and I immediately loved it. So I guess that's further proof of you shouldn't always judge a uh, movie by its trailer, myself included. I know I'm still guilty of that. Um, But I love the airport scene. And Civil War, actually more than any other Marvel movie, has my all-time favorite end credit scene. And that's when um, Peter Parker's back at his home with Aunt May, and he flashes something on the ceiling. Don't see what it is. Aunt May is just like, how big was the other guy? Um, he's pretty big, huge even. Um, she eventually leaves, you look up, and what's on the ceiling is the spider signal. I never thought we'd get that in a movie, and it just made me so giddy and so excited to see the future of Spider-Man. And so far, it has not disappointed, but we'll get to Spider-Man later in this phase. hmm Well, after Civil War, the grand, huge scale character-wise... We definitely scale it back in terms of characters, but we don't scale it back in terms of scale. Of in terms of interdimensional, weird, trippy, across the universe shenanigans with Doctor Strange. Josh, what are your impressions of Doctor Strange? So, 
Um, <laughs> uh, the movie, I, I didn't mind. Um, I will say it come the feeling after it felt like, okay, we have to get a reason to bring the time stone into, into the story. So how, how are we going to do that? Well, there's Dr. Strange. We have rights to him. Let's use him. Okay, cool. Because really, um, if, have you seen the animated Dr. Strange? I know of it, but I haven't watched it. Okay. It plays almost, it plays out almost note for note, exactly like the live action one. Hmm. So it, I mean, there's, of course, there's definitely some differences, but like the story is still kind of basically the same. Um, and at least from the mem the, you know, the memory that I have of it. Uh, so I was, I guess, a little underwhelmed, I guess, but also like visuals are incredible. And that's something that we kind of really haven't seen that kind of mind bending visuals. We haven't seen really since inception. So it, I mean, it was kind of refreshing in that way. And Benedict Cumberbatch is always good. So, I mean, it's, it, it happened. Yeah, I think it's fine. It's a it's a decent introduction to a really obscure character for modern audiences. And Benedict Cumberbatch does a fine enough job. His American accent is still trash, though. He, he sounds like Hugh Laurie on House. Like, I just don't buy it. Maybe they should have just left him with an accent. Um, it's an okay introduction film. It's definitely not Marvel's strongest, but it is pretty paint-by-the-numbers. We need to introduce Doctor Strange. We need to introduce the Eye of Agamotto slash the Time Stone. Um, it's perfectly fine. You have Mads Mikkelsen just kind of being generic introductory Marvel villain of he's just really bland and forgettable to the point of, yeah. I remember what his name is, but do you remember what the villain's name is? No, no clue. Exactly. No, no clue. It's Tysilius, by the way. Yeah. So, and that, that has always been one of my gripes, I guess, and with, with Disney is, and yeah, I get it. We're, we're building to the one big baddie. So you could argue like, why would you have big baddies in, you know, leading up to him? But still, it kind of cheapens the villains themselves to have them off as one-offs. Like, if this, these guys are so big and so bad, how how are they only, you know, how are they losing after one encounter? Like, losing, losing. Most of them are, you know, they die or they're never to be seen again. Yeah. Doctor Strange also was there more or less just to introduce the villain for the next one with Modo. Uh, mm-hmm. Modo? Mordo? Mordo, I think. Sure. A, a GF4's character. Sure. Yeah, it, there's a lot of forgettableness to it. It was on TV recently. And I watched a little bit of it. It's it's fine. To be honest, it's absolutely one of the weaker films in Phase 3, which kind of does already have some weak films. Not mm-hmm. the weakest. We'll definitely get into that one later. Um, but it's it's a decent introduction. It's it's kind of what I'm hoping for the character of Captain Marvel. I didn't really care about the character a whole lot in their standalone movie, but I liked them better in a group dynamic. I liked Doctor Strange a lot better in Infinity War than I did in his standalone movie. Um, so I kind of hope that's the same thing with Captain Marvel, but we'll get into that in a little bit. It's fine. The visuals more than anything are what you stay for. Other than that, it's a solid C-plus movie. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, there's something to be said when the most memorable and really crowd favorite character is the cape. Um, Wong? No, 
It's the cape, bro. Wong and cape together. Okay. Announced Wong for Disney Plus, okay. please. Yeah. <laughs> Just like them reading books together. <laughs> no, listening to Beyonce together. Oh, yes. Either that or Wong's trying, like, just literally an hour and a half of Wong trying to read books and the cape playing pranks on him. No, remember in Infinity War when Wong saves Iron Man at the beginning? Uh, Iron Man just really quickly says, Wong, you're invited to my wedding. Wong's plus one is the cape. Yes. It's like a Marvel one shot of just them at a wedding table. That would be perfect. Now, we said Doctor Strange is more or less a Really strong C plus, an average decent movie. Speaking of C plus, average Marvel movies, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Yeah, I would. Um, it's. T- I, I I would be wary to say C plus. I might say B minus, just because I do enjoy the characters in this movie quite a bit, and I really like the arc between Gamora and Nebula. I love the way that they've told that story. Um, I don't really care about Ego. I'm not really that big of a fan of of uh, Star-Lord, but that's mainly after Infinity War. I, I didn't... Infinity War made me not like him. Um, but, uh, no, yeah, it's, 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 it's a decent movie. I mean... It tries to ride the coattails of the one bef- of the first one, and it, it does a decent job of that. I think they, my I think my only complaint is they do definitely try to beat the obscure '80s music over the head. Yeah, I enjoyed the first film and the first film's soundtrack a whole lot better than the second one. I enjoyed the second one uh, when I was in the theater, but the more time away from it, the more I genuinely just can't remember this movie, and I think it's just kind of yeah. okay. I disagree with some of the characterizations. Um, I was not a fan as much this time around, um, primarily of Drax. This was the start of the downhill um, journey for Drax's character. Like the first one, he was the idiot that didn't really quite get sarcasm or everything else, but he was still an awesome fighter and a tough character. Volume two in every Marvel movie since, so basically Infinity War, he's just been an idiot who doesn't really do anything he's just there for comedic relief he's not a well-balanced character he's just kind of an idiot yeah and i i can't like i get the comedy they're trying to go for but i can't i'm not really i can't really get find myself getting behind his interactions with mantis yeah it's just my mom once said it and i kind of completely agree of guardians 2 is like if it was written for for and targeted for 12-year-old boys with the level of humor that it's got. Like, it's a lot of just poop humor and just body humor. I'm just like, really, James Gunn? You're better than this. Yeah, it, it was almost like, oh, oh, I didn't expect to have to make a second one. Um, uh-oh. Yeah, there's a lot of jokes that especially Drax says, and I was like, did you really need to throw that in there? It. Yeah, and a, it really, a Marvel like, movie just doesn't really fit your comedic tone that you've thing. established thus far. If you're, if you're gonna have somebody make those jokes, which you know what, that's fine. Okay, let's let's assume that you still make those jokes. Drax is Drax is not the one to make to make them. Yeah, Star Lord is Star Lord, or even um, Rocket. Rocket would be, but you not could, Drax. Yeah, Drax. <laughs> 
that was the thing was like he he was this this fighter that was really cool and like would do anything to to you know save the people that he cared about and you're you hit the nail on the head is that he's just become a comic relief and i'm not really okay with that here's hoping they fix him for uh guardians 3 assuming he comes back somehow for endgame um the one big takeaway though that i had for guardians 2 is the literally the only meaningful death in the mcu with the death of yondu it's the only one that's been permanent so far and it's the only one that i've actually felt anything Oh, dude, when he dies, you do feel that. Holy cow. He may have been your father, but he wasn't your daddy. Mm. And it's it, that was one of the things, too, that that's why I kind of pump, bumped this up to maybe a, a B minus or just a B uh, is because of the emotional thought journey that Chris, that not Chris, I almost called him Chris, um, <laughs> Star-Lord goes through with the the whole father situation of thinking he's found this man that, you know, that, that he is from the loins of this guy, but he, he's not at all the, the father that he envisioned that, that he wants. And Yondu's been, you know, that story it's, I enjoyed watching that play out. And I think because of that, the, the death of Yondu, you, you definitely feel for it more. And, but and, and I still say one of the most solid storytelling points in this film is Gamora and Nebula. Yeah. As a whole, though, Guardians 2 is very, very skippable. And when we come back mm. for um, things to remember for Endgame, I don't know if there's a whole lot, honestly. Yeah. It outside just kind of feels of, like it's there. Yeah. I mean, really outside of um, maybe... Yeah, we'll get there. Never mind. Yeah. Um, while Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is very forgettable and just kind of ho-hum, the next MCU Phase 3 movie, oh, it's a shot in the arm. It's fantastic. Spider-Man Homecoming. Josh, I know you were kind of meh about this. I cannot sing this movie's praises enough. I adore Spider-Man Homecoming. With some minor nitpicks, obviously. Yeah, so... You'll be happy to know that I'm starting to come around. Um, and time. Get off of, about to get off of my Andrew Garfield kick. Uh, so I went back and rewatched the first one, The Amazing Spider-Man, which is definitely like better than than um, the second one. That's because but, Amazing Spider-Man Two is the worst Spider-Man movie made so far. Ooh. Rewatch Spider-Man Three, and it's not that much of a dip in quality as everyone thinks it is. Fair enough. No, yeah, well, you and I have had that, have had that discussion. Anyway, um, at the same time, Tom Holland looks like he's in high school, and you believe that he's in high school. Uh, at no point do you go, "Is that Flash Thompson? Why does he look like a full grown man?" Like you know, kind of like that, and that's harkening all the way back to like the Tobey Maguire movies, like with Deathstroke I, I, as the bully. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but uh, this movie is very well cast. I never thought we'd get Vulture. I never thought we'd get um, Web. I never Web thought Wars. we'd get a comic book accurate version of the Vulture in terms of co- uh, costume. Yeah, well, I mean, as comic book accurate as you can. Oh, he's still got like the ruffle around his neck and everything. 
Well, yeah, but he doesn't have the, have the like grandpa pajamas. Yeah, yeah. Which honestly, if they would have done that to to him, I I, I would have been pissed. Because okay, is it just me or in the comics does Vulture always look like a cross between Ebenezer Scrooge and Phil Collins? No, no, it's exactly right. He's literally um, flying in the air tonight. Yeah, he he's, he's he quite literally is. Um, but no, dude, Keaton is acting his butt off in this movie. He's more terrifying when he doesn't have the suit on. The scene where he's dropping the kids off at the dance. Oh gosh, that's terrifying. Oh, dude, totally. Good old oh Spider-Man gosh. here to save the day. He's just like he he captures what it in my opinion what a villain of should be he's always a villain like he, there's not it's not like he takes time off of being evil really as someone that's typically likes to be a stickler for well this is how it was done in the comics you should learn from that i like the changes that they made in regards to the vulture for this movie of the big plot twist that he's actually liz allen's dad i thought that was a great change to the mythos mm, oh yeah absolutely because, like, all the Spider-Man villains have to be connected to Peter Parker somehow. This one, it was a connection that made sense and added a lot of tension to the scene as opposed to just being, feeling tacked on. Yeah, absolutely. I really like his suit as well. Both Spider-Man's and uh, the Vulture suit. The Vulture suit is exactly what it needs to be. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, Spider-Man's suit, aesthetically, it's one of my favorite suits of all time, besides Amazing Spider-Man 2 suit, ironically. Um, but with the suit comes actually some of my biggest gripes with the movie, and that's Karen the AI. At times, he just comes across too much like Iron Man Jr. and not Spider-Man, in terms of Spider-Man needs to make his own tech, because he's a smart kid, that he's resourceful, that's what Spider-Man does, not have Tony Stark make it for him and have insta-kill mode, or immediately know who these people are because he has, like, scanners in the suit. That's not Spider-Man, that's Iron Man. Yeah, I did. That is one of my biggest gripes is if you're going to give him the quote unquote iron spider, uh, you know, at least go full throttle on it and save that for Infinity War, which they kind of did. But it's still it wasn't the same. Yeah, Um, I've never really liked the iron spider suit. Uh, If I had to change one thing about Spider-Man Homecoming and it's something I talked about for weeks leading up to the film's release because I thought it would happen. And I almost got it right is um, you see in the trailers and even in the movie that uh, before the two-thirds mark, Iron Man takes away Spider-Man's suit yeah. and he has to go to, like, the old-school one. Um, mm-hmm. What I would have done is Iron Man is like, here, have the suit back. Peter turns down the regular suit, too, and makes starts making his own suit, starts making yeah. the classic Spider-Man suit. Be like, no, no thanks. I'll get there eventually, but for now, I'll just be a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man with this suit instead. Not the one that he used for the final fight, but, like, the traditional Spider-Man suit, but just not with AI and wherever inside of it. Yeah, and and that's what I think my biggest gripe is about this Spider-Man, is he never... It always feels like he's trying to work towards the Avengers and not necessarily to, I'm just going to be a neighborhood Spider-Man. All the way up until, you know, the end where he actually makes that decision. But... I think that's his arc for this is realizing that he needs to be uh, a ground hero. That's what he does best. 
right up yeah. to even in Infinity War, um, Iron Man's just like, what are you doing here? You shouldn't have followed me. You should be at home. Uh, you're supposed to be a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And Spider-Man has this fantastic line that immediately makes him better than Iron Man of, I can't be a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man if there's no neighborhood to go to. Yeah. Absolutely. So he gets it. That's his arc for homecoming is yeah. be Spider-Man, be you. Absolutely. And I think we're only going to get more of that arc on what it means to be that, to be that friendly neighborhood Spider-Man once we get far from home. Um, but yeah, I, I, Tom Holland's slowly growing on me. Um, the more I watch him and the more I, I kind of more information I get about him. Um, but yeah, no, yeah, it's, it's definitely a shot in the arm of definitely what was needed. I never thought we'd get the shot of, of Spider-Man holding a fairy together with webbing. That was um, great. That's a fantastic shot. I never uh, thought we'd get my favorite scene in the movie when he gets the building dropped on him. Cause that's from oh, a really famous, um, comic where more or less yes. the whole issue is Spider-Man <laughs> trapped trying to get to Aunt May and more or less has to dig down deep. And I never thought we'd get that in a movie. So when we did, as it was starting to happen, I was, Heather was next to me and I was just like, oh, are they finally going to do the thing? Are they going to yeah. do the thing I've always wanted? And that scene is so well done. It defines it really who is. Spider-Man is. It's this is who he is at his core. This is why he does what he does. He's just a good kid. Yeah. And I think <laughs> the only thing I would change would be if we had a scene somehow, if you're going to have Tony involved, fine, whatever. Um, but have a scene that's much like the one in um, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, where uh, Peter's having that conversation with Miles, like part of being the Spider-Man is never giving up and always getting back up. No matter how hard they hit you, no matter how, how much you take, you always stand back up. And like, if you could somehow do that and then he's like, and like maybe Tony like says that to him or something. And he's like, okay, Tony, you're being weird. All right, fine. Whatever. That kind of makes sense. Whatever. And then you pull out the scene where he's getting crushed by the building and he's like, no, you're right. I can't just like, I can never give up. Like it's not like this is going to stop. I don't know. I think the quote that they did use fit perfectly of, if you're nothing without the suit, then you shouldn't have it. Which, Fair enough. Which, I hate to admit it, justifies Iron Man 3's existence and overall story arc. I, I Yeah, I, I'll give you that. I will give you that. Maybe I'm just trying too you're hard to... You're hung up on Into the Spider-Verse. And hey, don't, don't play that off like a negative, because that is by far the best Spider movie ever right now. Yeah, and the Spider Verse is great until Far From Home comes out. We'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. see. Um, so Spider Man got a massive shot in the arm with Spider Man Homecoming and desperately needed it after Amazing Spider Man 2. Another character that desperately needed a shot in the arm was Thor. How do you save Thor? Bring in that weird indie director that did the zombie movie, the vampire movie called What We Do in the Shadows. Thor Ragnarok is wonderful. Oh yeah, and like even like I was recently reading interviews with uh, with Chris Hemsworth, and how he was saying like he was not happy really with up to the point of Ragnarok with the direction his character was taking. It's okay, we he, didn't like his character for a while there either. 
Oh, I mean, because that was, I think, the thing about him in uh, in the first Thor movie that I enjoyed so much was there was a little bit of comedy. It made sense what, why certain things were hilarious. But at the same time, you're like, no, like this guy has the potential to be this incredible god of thunder. And it, it, honestly, you could not even watch Dark World and just pretend it doesn't exist and just watch Ragnar- Ragnarok right after Thor 1. And it, it, it feels to me like Ragnarok is the completion of the story arc of Thor 1. Yeah, you could just not watch Thor The Dark World too. That's totally fine. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, I, I think th- this movie, you're right. It breathes fresh air, some fresh air into Thor, either fresh air or brings him back to what the direction they were going to take him anyway. And is, you know, this, he is kind of this big goof in, in a lot of ways, but he, he's also got a kind of an ego on him. He's definitely strong, but he at this, at his core is still a caring, really caring guy. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, it, makes Thor fun again. I really didn't like Thor the Dark World. I wanted to like Thor in Age of Ultron, but he really didn't get a whole lot to do in that movie other than, hey, trust what Vision's doing. And then has these weird visions about Ragnarok, which doesn't really fit the tone at all of the actual Ragnarok movie. Um, Yeah, oh, absolutely. Ragnarok showed to people, Chris Hemsworth's comedic timing is fantastic. And we've said it before, vastly underrated. Oh, absolutely. I think but the thing, think though, that we for... don't give Thor uh, Ragnarok nearly enough credit on is the colors. Holy crap, everything pops. Oh, yeah. A lot of Marvel movies look very uniform and same. Nothing really stands out. Then comes Thor Ragnarok. Holy crap, it's bright. It's colorful. It's like it was a 60s comic. Oh, just like the original Thor. Yeah, absolutely. It was. It's bright, colorful. I think... And then introducing Valkyrie, introducing the Valkyries as a concept is something that it, it is very important to me, at least. Um, something that they've kind of ignored in the Thor universe up until that this movie. Um, Hell, Hell, Hela is amazing. Holy crap! What a villain! Um, I think we're forgetting about the real MVP here, Korg. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Korg. <laughs> If we get a Korg TV show on Disney Plus, I will be a happy man. No, no, I think he needs to Korg be and the, me. He, he, he's <gasps> literally perfect. call it rock, paper, and scissors. Oh my gosh! So fun thing to do. So you know that uh, the rock, paper, scissors joke he makes—the obvious one. He's like little rock, paper, scissors humor There's for the you. Subtle one too. Oh no! Go watch through the entire the rest of the movie after that, and he he makes I think like two or three. No, the one that I like is. He tried to start a revolution, and he didn't print enough pamphlets, so paper yep. beat rock. Yeah. At the end, he thinks he crushed Meek, so rock beat scissors. <laughs> it's yeah. There's there's a couple really good jokes in there, and that's what I think that that this this does is it takes itself its source material the source material itself it takes it very seriously but it doesn't take itself as a movie seriously. Yeah, it 
it was exactly the fun that Thor needed, and I think other movie studios are seeing that Chris Hemsworth is a fun actor and good comedic actor. That's why we're seeing him in Men in Black now, I think, was a lot due to Ragnarok, why they really seem to want to keep the Thor franchise going now with Taika Waititi as director. Um, as a fan of the, one of his movies, What We Do in the Shadows, it was nice to even see him throw out an Easter egg when Korg says something along the lines of, it's a pitchfork. It's only really good for killing vampires, only if they live in close proximity to another. <laughs> Korg's great. Like it's so just... on the nose that if you haven't seen the movie, you're just like, that's a weird joke. But if you're someone like me that's seen it and loves that movie, it's like, okay, I, I see I enjoy... you there, Taika. Yeah, but see, I I haven't seen that, but I love that joke because it's just like, well, yeah, they, they'd have to be in pros. Cord, what are you talking? God, you're so funny. Uh, Seems like you had a very um, intimate think... and personal close relationship with this hammer. Sounds wonderful. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, I, I, I again, and I know you've heard me say this, and I'm sure the pod has heard me say this all uh, already. My always my one complaint, and it's a nitpick. Planet Hulk. He, yeah, is that now? Will ne- and we've had this discussion why that'll never happen, and I get it. It, but if you're going to bring in the, you know, if we're going to talk about Ragnarok, I have that. I always have to bring it up because that plan a whole storyline is, is a fantastic. It's, it's in my opinion, the best Hulk one besides his fight, his fights with uh, Wolverine. Um, but yeah, it's, this movie's colorful Hulk, with the whole gripes about plan Hulk being said, Hulk's fantastic in this movie. Oh Yeah. Well-balanced performance by both Mark Ruffalo and the Hulk. Just a really great performance all around. Absolutely. And I think it kind of showed us that just because he's Hulk doesn't mean he can't be, quote-unquote, mild-mannered. He can't be funny or whatever. He's He can still be this big, monstrous being, but still have a personality about him. Exactly. Um, so Thor Ragnarok really expanded the world, um, on a cosmic level, introduced a amazing visual style and a unique environment. Our next one did very much the same thing, just a very different world, a very different visual style, but nonetheless still very unique. Black Panther. Talk about a sleeper hit that not even Marvel was expecting. Holy crap, did this movie destroy the box office. Oh, yeah. Which really, like, really, Disney, you didn't know that this was going to be a hit. You, oh, you could tell the they world. were not expecting this. It was the same oh, thing no, as I Frozen. Of, like, like, they expected it to be a hit, not a billion-dollar movie. No, yeah. So here's the thing, though, is, like, really, you're given a given the, and I, I can, I'm with everybody saying Blade was, you know, is, is the first black superhero. However, this is the first modern one, and we've never had one done to this scale. So, it, like, of course it's going to be a big deal. Like, come on. But I I agree. It definitely a sleeper hit. Um, this had everything, every reason to not be a good movie, but it's, it's actually not bad at all. I enjoy it quite a bit. Yeah, I think this was the first big step in the right direction of getting villains right. Killmonger yes. is great. But what I love most about Killmonger as a villain is... At the end of the day, 
he actually caused change. He's the first villain I've ever seen in a movie that he actually makes the hero change his mind. At the end, yeah. T'Challa's just like, no, Killmonger was right. We have been wrong to shut us ourselves out from the rest of the world. And I'm like, dude, yeah. yes, way to be a good ruler and accept oh, yeah. advice from all circles, even if it's your enemy. Well, and one of the things I think I, I like the most about it, too, uh, it, about the movie is Killmonger. Like, we've always, uh, we've always said, like, in wrestling even, the best villains, their plans make sense. Their and motives and their why they're doing what they're doing. You hate it because be, it's true. Yeah, you hate it because it's true and how they're going about it. It's not, it, it, but they should still be, it should still make you go, Oh man, but he does have a point. But he's killing thousands of people. But he has a point. Yeah. And Killmonger, exactly. oh, Killmonger's got a point. But every villain's only as strong as their hero. And T'Challa's a really good hero. By no means my favorite, but I really liked him. I really like Shuri. Marvel does great supporting characters really well. I like Shuri. I like uh, the Dormo Malage, his guards. Also... I feel like he doesn't get nearly enough praise in the movie or in the greater MCU, but Andy Serkis's claw stole the show for me. <laughs> I mean, he's Andy Serkis in general is is always a good good. Time I love for me. the chase scene of they're in the cars, just like what is this a funeral? Play some music. <laughs> yes, he's like the first villain oh, no. I've seen that like wants to have fun being a villain. My only complaint is yeah. that they killed him off way too soon. He could have been a standalone villain in and of itself. Yeah, I agree. Um, the big thing too, I think that makes this movie such a hit is the suit. It would have been very easy to make it very similar to something like an Iron Man suit, but they, they really go to all lengths to make this thing as different as possible as from anything we've ever seen. Oh, completely agree. Now, when it comes to sequels, do you think we'll ever see him with the cape? Um, I kind of hope we'll we do. I think we'll see him in in the cape in the context of him being in the throne room. Yeah, I don't I see it. I don't. Yeah, I don't think we'll see him with a cape like out and about because I don't think that quite makes sense for the character that they've built. But I can totally see, still see him wearing the cape, like at the throne room or walking walking around the palace in, in the, the Black Panther suit. I do like the changes that they make that they they that they make to the suit throughout the movie. I like that the suit evolves with the character, but in a logical sense. It's not like yeah. uh, Captain America, who, as much as he's my favorite Avenger changes his suit every single movie for no logical reason. It makes sense for Iron Man always upgrading his tech. Captain America, that's always bugged me of, why don't you have the same suit more than once? Yeah. And it's not like, because sometimes they're like, they're more armored, sometimes they're not. It's like, okay, what's your, what's your, what's your play here, man? What's, what, what, where are you changing? But that's definitely not happening in Black Panther. And to be quite fair, um, and I, I might get a little pushback on this, but Black Panther's Killmonger is the first villain for me, first of all, that, you know, he's got a point. But you kind of knew as soon as he, you know, starts taking over the palace, this is only going to end one way. 
there's no way it doesn't end with either T'Challa or Killmonger getting killed. Yeah, which their fight, not the second one where T'Challa wins, but like their fight for the throne, any of those scenes are my favorite in the movie. I thought the movie started off pretty slow until we get that first fight uh, between M'Baku and T'Challa for the throne. Then I was locked in. That fight is great. The choreography for the fight scenes in general are awesome. That being said, at times the effects got a little bit hokey. I'll be with you on that, but I think, to me, the story I was with how ingrained I was with the story, I was it didn't take me out too much. Oh yeah, it didn't take me out fully, but especially towards the end when you have gold Black Panther versus purple Black Panther, which the colors are only there so you know which one's which. Yeah. Uh, I thought those effects really did not look too great towards the end, but I was willing to overlook it just because it was such a well-told story with such a unique world, such unique characters that I really genuinely wanted to spend more time in. Yeah, and it actually made me sad that I knew that one of them was going to have to die for this story to conclude because I really enjoyed Killmonger. I thought... Well, he might be getting more of him. No, because he's dead. Uh, the rumor is he signed on for Black Panther 2 somehow. Maybe, I don't even know. We'll see. Uh, that'll be interesting. However that'll that'll they, be a discussion for another day. Yeah, how, how they pull that off. But uh, he is my favorite thing about th- this movie. Um, it's, it's not necessarily fair because I've always been a Michael B. Jordan fan. I think he's a very underrated actor and is definitely on his way up in the, in the, uh, in the acting world. Um, but yeah. Well, Black Panther was the final appetizer before the main course, the big one. Well, was the big one until Endgame, Avengers Infinity War. Like the world that was set up in Black Panther? Good, because the final big act finale is going to take place in Wakanda. But the rest of the movie, oh man, it's a thrill ride. I love Infinity War. Yeah, it's... (laughs) This is going to be tough for me to say. But it was better than I thought it was going to be. Really? Did you have low expectations for it or something? Yes. And you know me. A part of me goes into the these movies with low expectations so that, you know, I know if it is even mediocre, I'm like, okay, cool. We're not – this wasn't as bad as it could have been. Uh, but this they they really build to the snap very, very well. Yeah. for They build it so well. And they tell the story so well that by the end of it, I was like, well, I guess we're not getting the snap. I guess they're going to stop Thanos. Yeah. Like as soon as oh, yeah. I thought he's going to do the snap, but then Thor comes down, puts the action chest. I was like, all right, I guess, guess that's it. I wonder where we go from here. You should have gone for the head. <gasps> no. Yeah. And in that moment when he snaps his fingers and he goes to the soul world, the whole theater just like dead silence. Just wait. What just happened? And it doesn't help that every time I watch it with my parents, my mom goes, so where is he now? When they go to the soul realm and little Gamora's there, I'm just like, I think they're in the soul stone, but I can't guarantee that right now. It's a dream. Yeah. Think of it like platform nine and three quarters from Harry Potter. Yeah, it's, they, they're going to have to, that, that is definitely something they're going to have to do in Endgame is kind of clarify some things. Um, but yeah, no, I think I, I was pleasantly surprised with how well they they built everything um i will say 
this movie made me, I wasn't like you where I was not liking Tony, but I mean, I, he definitely wasn't my favorite Avenger, but I didn't like mind him. I don't like him in this movie and I don't like star Lord in this movie. Like I get emotionally what star Lord is going through, but at the same time, like, dude, you, you've become a really big dick. Like cut it out. Yeah. Star. Well, I don't, I did hate star Lord for a good portion after seeing infinity war. But then I remembered if star Lord really is to blame for all this, don't you think Dr. Strange would have stopped him? Yeah. Because Doctor Strange saw the future, which that's a whole weird nitpick of I don't think Marvel remember their own continuity because in Doctor Strange, uh, the Ancient One could see the future up until when she dies. So a sorcerer can't see the future past when they die. And Doctor Strange got snapped. So how does he know which one is the future that worked well, if he's not so, in it? So that would bring the argument then that Nobody died due to the snap. They're, They're just, just trapped in the soul, in the soul stone. Yes. So, I mean, <laughs> which I can see them say, using that and being like, okay, well, we just got to get the get the soul soul gem and open it up so everybody co- comes back. That's just. We'll, we'll, we'll get there when we get when we circle back for things to ah. remember. Um, Considering how large the cast is, they do a pretty decent job of balancing out the story. Like, the very first Avengers movie had six main characters to share screen time with. This has so many more characters, but I feel like everybody has at least a moment or two in the sun of doing something cool. Yeah, absolutely. At this point, they're not trying to introduce you to anything new. They're like, well, 21 films in. If you're not on board by now, good luck type of thing. Yeah, basically. Like, sorry, we've done as much world building as we can. Now it's time to move on with the story we've been hinting at for almost a decade. Something I like is, um, by and large, Marvel movies are interconnected. But, if you watch just the Avengers movies, like Avengers, Age of Ultron, Infinity War, and then Endgame, just those movies, you can still pretty much follow along with what's happening. Yeah, absolutely. They... Do a pretty decent job of still keep piecing everything together if you both just those movies. Yeah, I really enjoy Infinity War. That being said, I think but at the end of the day, I'm going to enjoy Endgame more because there's not as big of a cast to worry about or divvy up time for. Um, but I still really enjoyed Infinity War. There are some great, amazing moments. It's just a fun time. It doesn't feel like two and a half hours. It just flies by. It's the first Marvel movie possibly in the MCU that I've seen in a while, possibly ever, that felt like it had genuine stakes to it. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing that continuing endgame of, like, the dower we genuinely lost here, guys. Yeah. Uh, and you know me. That's always been my sta- my, my nitpick about some of the... Um, a good portion of the Avengers movies is it, it some a lot of times it doesn't feel like there's anything at stake. But it definitely... And I think that's why I was pleasantly surprised by Infinity War is that it does it you feel the stakes like incredibly oh absolutely um but yeah I really enjoyed the characters as always their chemistry off of each other I like that there was the more or less the three main storylines going on with like Thor Groot and Rocket but then you also had the stuff on Earth and then the stuff with Iron Man Squad I thought that was all pretty well balanced out and I enjoyed seeing that and I'll be curious to see how it all comes back together in Endgame. But somehow, 
this is not the end of phase three. We still have two more so, films that have come out. Uh, we won't worry about Endgame and Far From Home. But uh, the last two movies, Josh and I will be each be taking a movie because one of us has seen one and the other one of us has seen the other and vice versa. So, Josh, you have yeah. seen Ant-Man and the Wasp. I have not. So, you yes. have the floor for this one. Tell me about it. Okay, cool. So, uh, real quick, though, um, before we move on from Infinity War completely, which, uh, which, which story arc is your favorite? Uh, Thor. Yeah, absolutely. And not actually uh, for Thor. For two things with Thor. Uh, it's the scene where uh, he's like, Thanos has taken literally everything from me. If he kills me, big whoop. I literally have nothing left. And to yeah. me, the other best moment of Infinity War, besides Thor's entrance into Wakanda, that I think is the best scene in the whole movie. The second best, I think, is the sacrifice by Groot to become the handle for um, Stormbreaker. Stormbreaker. First of all, Stormbreaker is literally my favorite hammer. It is my favorite Marvel weapon. It is so cool looking. Really? She, I still have a preference for Mjolnir, but Stormbreaker is pretty awesome too. But that scene where I, Groot, they're like, it needs a handle, and Groot is more or less becoming a mature adult for the first time again, and puts his fingers on it, more or less burning himself in the process. And it's like, I am worthy. Because that's something people are kind of overlooking. Groot is worthy to lift the hammer. Yep. Oof. Yeah, that was my favorite of the uh, three yeah, of them. He's, he's in uh, the dwarf is is awesome. I forget his name, but uh, but it's being Peter Dinklage, and I always enjoy him. Yeah, Peter Dinklage is always great. Absolutely. So uh, back to Ant Man and the Wasp. Uh, so timeline wise, this happens about basically the same time as Infinity War. Um. That, which is why Ant-Man is not in Infinity War. Oh, okay. Uh, and, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there's... And the end credit scene plays a lot into what is to come in Endgame. So yeah, basically... I'm sure we'll address that in Things to yes, Know. Exactly. Um, but so basically the story, the story is... Um, Scott, is, it's like... A few, I think it's like a year or something like that after Civil War. Um, and he's because he's on house arrest for two years because he broke parole. He went, went out uh, of the country and he, by showing the Ant-Man suit to the world uh, and showing tech that shouldn't exist and that violates the Geneva convention or something like that. It, uh, Sokovia Accords. Jacobia Accords. There it is. Um, he, he's basically like his part of his plea deal was you've, you've got to, you know, completely ostracize Hank Pym and um, Hope and never talk to them ever again. And you have to be on house arrest for two years, basically. So, like, two years, dude. This is a long time. And so the move, we come in on the last week of his house arrest, which is, that's where the movie starts. So all this other, all this stuff is uh, happening. You have a character named Ghost who can phase through things, but it's like not she, it's not by will. Sometimes, basically, same kind of uh, mistakes were made by Hank Pym when they were 
tampering with the uh, what is it, the quantum realm, and basically his coworker it went wrong, and there was an explosion, and his daughter, the guy's daughter, didn't want to like leave her dad in his time of need, and so the explosion killed her, her mom and dad, but left her permanently like damaged. Basically, her cells like disintegrate and then like reanimate constantly so she's basically all always in pain which is rough um i think the 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 weakness though is the villain because the only reason she's doing doing the stuff that she's doing to to hank pym and scott is just to get her to get a cure for herself so it it, it's kind of it's almost like well hank just help her out dude like all this could be just fixed by, you know, hey, look, you don't have to kidnap me for me to help you. Like, we can just work this out. But no, Hank's got to have an ego. Um, but basically, like, through shenanigans, they uh, Scott gets out of house arrest at, towards the end of the movie, blah, blah, blah. The big thing, the big story that's being told is um, the basically the so when scott is told that he can't talk to hank or hope anymore um it actually goes both ways and hank and hope have basically ostracized him because he went to new york he went to uh was it germany for a civil war without telling them it took the suit without telling them so like it was so they're mad at him for basically ru- ruining everything and the, now they have to be on the run all the time because technically speaking, they shouldn't, what they were making shouldn't exist. So it, there's that story going throughout the movie of redemption of that friendship and relationship. Um, like there's a really sweet moment between Hank and hope of where, uh, not Hank, I'm sorry, Scott, uh, Scott and Hope, where he's like, well, would you have come to Germany if I have asked you? And she goes, well, I guess we'll never know, but I'll tell you this. You wouldn't have gotten caught if, I, if I'd if i gone with you. So, I mean, it's it's a very well, it's a well-done well movie. I wouldn't say it's an A, but it's definitely a B. Because I think I, I think you and I had the same opinion of the first Ant-Man in that it, it was a good time. It, it wasn't like the best... Um, Avengers movie or uh, sorry, Marvel movie, but it was a good Completely time. Skippable this, though, yeah. And really, outside of some of the details that happen in the uh, basic uh, for the quantum realm and for uh, the end credit credit scene, you could probably skip this as well. Uh, oh, they go to the quantum quantum realm and basically get Hank's wife back. So there's that small little detail. Yeah, I'm sure that'll be coming back up again for our things well, to know for Endgame section. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> so anyway, moving on to... But yeah, it's... The movie happened, but you could probably watch a highlight video and get the same kind of feel from it. Yeah, I've always kind of felt like Ant-Man was okay, but it was clearly never the MCU's top priority. He's, he's not going to be one that they... Yeah. He's... To put it in wrestling terms again, he's never going to be the top guy. He's always going to be your consistent, solid, middle-of-the-pack guy that you can rely on. Yeah, and I think a lot of that is, and personally, I like the Ant-Man movies because I like Paul Rudd's a lot. And I love his comedic timing and what he brings to the character. So 
But I mean, I'll always watch Paul Rudd in pretty much anything. Yeah. Uh, eventually, I'll get around to seeing Ant-Man and the Wasp. It took me a while to see the first Ant-Man, just because I always feel like I can kind of just cliff notes whatever happened in that movie, and it's not going to be a huge impact on the greater MCU. That being said, there are some big things that I'm sure we'll double back on for things to catch up for Endgame that happen in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, finally, the most recent MCU movie before Endgame, the one that I have seen, but Josh has not, Captain Marvel. You say that with such uh, gusto. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, Maybe Iron Man 3, since I walked out of a Marvel movie so disappointed. I really wanted to like this movie. Uh, I know you and I talked about it a lot before the movie came out, that the trailers just really weren't winning us over. Um, Whether it was just kind of bland visuals, not really getting a clear picture of what the story was. Well, having seen the movie, now I know why the trailers are like that. Because having seen the movie, I still don't know what the actual objective of the movie was. I know what the movie, what happened in the movie, but in terms of actual character growth, what happened for our narrative, I genuinely can't remember. It's really forgettable, very kind of disjointed story. It's all over the place of it's I'm all for and I want more female empowerment superhero movies but I also want them done well Wonder Woman worked because it was done well this at times just feels like well we gotta have some really great big girl power moment which if it serves the narrative is great but at times it just was like here's your big moment but it never felt very earned there's that shot in the trailer where it shows different scenes of her standing up through different points in her life of when she was a kid when she's a pilot and now she's standing up now that would have been a great emotional moment had those flashbacks actually happened in the movie of showing her when she's a little kid or a fighter pilot they show them very briefly but there isn't that built-in backstory with wonder woman i know i'm going to be comparing it to wonder woman a lot but with wonder woman we spend a lot of time with diana before she becomes wonder woman she's an interesting complex character who undergoes a journey she learns things i genuinely feel like carol as a character she unlocks powers but doesn't change as a person and that's frustrating to me because i wanted to like captain marvel the character i was super hyped at the end of Infinity War, seeing the end credits of, like, oh, Captain Marvel's going to come in. I don't know that much about the character, but I'm super excited to see how she's going to save the day. And I know a lot of people are playing, uh, pointing the finger at Brie Larson. I don't think it's her. This movie had, like, four or five writers, and you can tell. This thing, you could tell it's too many cooks. I, it has too many people's flavors in this. It's like throwing chocolate pie with strawberry pie, with cinnamon, with salt. It's a whole bunch of different things that individually could work. Also, they do some things with the scrolls that I'm not a huge fan of, but that's really nitpicking, so I want to give this the benefit of the doubt. There's just too much happening with this. Um, And I was talking to Heather, who's more or less my gauge of knowledgeable, but more on the casual side. Like, she knows stuff that I've taught her over time. Um, So she knows more than the average bear, but is still kind of the casual movie fan. She comes out of it and goes... I was so lost. I was so confused. Doctor Strange made more sense to me than this. 
The narrative's kind of uh, all over the place. Yeah, if you're saying Doctor Strange made more sense, you've made some you've made some mistakes in your movie. I yeah, think absolutely. Captain Marvel will be much better in Endgame in a group dynamic, um, and I think with a more clear direction for her next outing, I could like the character of Captain Marvel. But it was a case of too many cooks for this movie. Just let there be one director, one writer. And that's really what you need. Just clear vision. And yeah, the rest of the cast is fine. Um, really solid cast, except for Captain Marvel. But I don't put that on Brie Larson. I put that on what she was given. Also, we find out how Nick Fury lost his eye. And we jokingly said it on the show. And I was pissed when it actually happened in the movie. I was like, we were joking. We didn't actually expect you to do it that way. Yeah, I'm really sad. Now, but, when I go back and watch Winter Soldier, he's like, last time I trusted somebody, I lost an eye. Now that scene rings hollow, knowing he lost it to a freaking flurkin. Yeah. That's unfortunate. Yeah, so I guess it's no surprise as we segue into our favorites and least favorite films of Phase 3 that by far my least favorite film of Phase 3 is Captain Marvel. That's fair. Um, and I can't say that because I haven't seen it. So I'm going to say uh, Civil War. Yeah, I kind of figured you'd go with that. If I had a runner-up, this movie's not bad, but it is very forgettable, uh, and that's Doctor Strange. I put that yeah. lower on the list than Guardians 2. I, I, I would agree with that. It's it's fine. It's definitely a big disparity between Captain Marvel and um, Doctor Strange. But yeah, those Doctor Strange is just meh. Whereas Captain Marvel, once is enough for me. Uh, on the yeah. flip side, though, Josh, what's your favorite film of Phase 3? Uh, Thor Ragnarok. Okay. Uh, big shocker here. I'm sure everyone at home will be surprised about this. Uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, my favorite film of Phase 3. Yeah. I think it, I put it as my number two favorite film in the MCU so far. I love this movie so much. And the more I watch it, the more I just pick up on little details that make me love Tom Holland Spider-Man even more. Just love the film, yeah. the direction. It's great. I love it so much. Now, Endgame is here. Whether you like it you, or not, you can run from it, fear it, but darkness comes all the same, or whatever Thanos says in the commercial. Um, yeah. Let's go through these movies. Break down the things that we think you're going to want to remember for Endgame. More so than any other phase, you're going to want to remember these movies because these are the ones... These are the these are the pitches that set you up for that one down the middle that you're really going to want to lay into. It's a baseball analogy that got away from me, but you know what I mean. Um, Civil War. There's a lot here, guys. Um, I think the biggest thing is that Tony can be emotionally driven, like in a bad way. Um, I think the big things to take away are obviously the team is split. Um, Tony and Steve have not talked. They're not on speaking terms. Oh, true. The big thing to me, um, obviously this I'm sure will be a big moment, is uh, at the end when Tony is fighting Cap, uh, he's like, that shield doesn't belong to you. So Cap throws down the shield. Cap is without his shield in Endgame. He didn't have it in Infinity War. So obviously, I think that's something to remember. Is I'm sure Cap is getting his shield back somehow. Well, also, yeah, it's it's in the trailer. Yeah, but we don't know 
how, and I'm sure there's yeah. going to be an emotional moment connected to it somehow, of reconciliation between Iron Man and Cap to lead up to that moment. However, piggybacking off the S.H.I.E.L.D. thing in Civil War, it's a two-on-one handicap match between Winter Soldier and Cap versus Iron Man. And in that scene, the S.H.I.E.L.D. is being tossed willy-nilly between Captain America and a Winter Soldier. As has been the case through all three Captain America movies, Bucky has wielded the S.H.I.E.L.D. at least once. So it continues to yeah. foreshadow him being the new Captain America. Absolutely. And I think... And I, we mentioned this earlier. If they're going to do, the, if they're going to pull the trigger on that, they need to give us more of something to to like about Bucky, a personality that would be great. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think of what else there is. Um, maybe Baron Zemo could still make an uh, appearance. No, doesn't he's not dead. No, doesn't he kill himself? No, because remember, Black Panther stops him. He's like, the living are not dead, are not done with you yet. He catches the bullet. He goes into S.H.I.E.L.D. custody. Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. He could, he could if he's not snapped, uh, play, play, play a role. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he makes a return appearance. Um, but yeah, the whole fractured team thing, um, Rhodey kind of being able to walk, the cell phone of, that was... Um, reintroduced in Infinity War from Cap to Iron Man of like, if you ever need me, just call on this old flip phone because that's all I know how to work. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's it's a fractured team. And really even going into Civil uh, into Infinity War, it's they're still quite fractured. Yeah. And again, Iron Man's fault. Yes. Uh, I feel like there's more, but I'm forgetting... More stuff. So, uh, Doctor Strange, what do you got? I got the just uh, not really anything because I mean, this uh, basically anything we needed to keep in uh, like in in mind is really completed completed in Infinity War. Oh, I forgot about a big thing from Civil War, oh. like a really big thing that I'm not seeing a lot of people talk about. Oh, barf. What? So at the very beginning of Civil War, there's that scene of young Iron Man um, talking to his parents oh, before they leave for the trip. And yes. they're all in those glasses, those augmented reality glasses. Yes. And the Russo, Russos have said in interviews, we have plans in the future for, the, for that technology. Could that be a human substitute for the reality stone? Yeah, I've seen, I've heard that. Um, really, I think that the, maybe, you know, you could have a scene where they're, you know, you can train your Avengers using those. But I, I, I do think there's the potential to use that as a way to trick Thanos. Yeah, I, the Russos are smart. Everything they have incorporated comes back in some form or another. So don't sleep on barf. It's not sanitary. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, going back to Doctor Strange, the Time Stone, really, that's just more or less what was introduced in Doctor Strange was the green Time Stone. Yeah, there's really not much here that doesn't really get fulfilled or really added on until in, in uh, Infinity War. Uh, yeah. Um, Guardians 2, you got anything? Um... 
I think it'd be important to keep in mind that uh, Star Lord is a celestial. Or Not anymore. Part. No, that's right. He gave that up. Yeah, he gave that up to be a human, and he's like, "What's wrong with that?" Yes. Okay. Never mind. Well, honestly, that might be important. Maybe he goes to pick up a stone and it almost destroys him because he gave up that part of himself. Well, he's dusted right now, so. I know. I'm aware. That's fine, though. I mean, but you you get my point. Which that's still one of my biggest gripes is that he got dusted because he should have been left alive to deal with the consequences of his actions. Yes. Giving him extra motivation. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Um, On the surface, Spider-Man Homecoming you would think doesn't, but I think there's more there than we think. Okay. Because he's dusted. Yes, but um, the one that we always talk about is the Avengers Tower is being sold in Spider-Man. I still am under the impression that that's going to turn into the Fantastic Four's Baxter building. I can see that. Or Oscorp, but I'm still sticking with my guns Fantastic Four. Just my conspiracy theory. However... The big finale of Spider-Man Homecoming is Vulture hijacking Stark's plane. Before it takes off, Happy Hogan is doing an inventory. And he's like, um, Thor's magic belt, something we've never seen before. So that could be something to keep in mind. But he also says, Cap's new shield. Oh. Okay. Will will Cap be getting a new shield in Endgame? And... What will that look like? Yeah, so I think that's a line that was just kind of thrown out there in passing, but could still pay off in Endgame. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I think that's just something that kind of goes over people's heads, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's included in some capacity. Uh, Thor Ragnarok. Quite a bit, I'd imagine, actually. Yeah, I think uh, the limits of of Thor's actual, his actual power now that he actually actually has the electricity, uh, the lightning. I think they're only scrap, scrape, uh, scraping the surface on those. I think um, it's important to keep in mind that there's wormholes leading to other places. I think that could potentially somehow play a part. Um, I'm trying to think. Valkyrie is not dusted, which is... No, she is in Endgame. Not going to spoilers, but one of the TV spots and one of the posters confirms that she is alive and did not get dusted. Yes, so... I'm still waiting on Korg! He... Well, I mean, technically speaking, he could just hit the ground too hard and be dusted. (laughs) Get it? Because he's rock? Anyway, um... Oof. Um, at the end, that leads right into Infinity War, Thanos boarding the Asgardian ship and yeah. killing half the Asgardians. Um, but like that, that definitely still is playing more into Infinity War. Yeah, um, which we'll get there. Uh, yeah, yeah, anything else? Maybe the Grandmaster comes back in some capacity? Maybe, potentially. I think the big thing to no- from to take from this is it seems like Thor and Loki are finally on the same page. Yes, before Loki died. Well, yeah, leading into Infinity War. Yeah. 
um, which leads us into Black Panther. Um, off the top of my head, I really can't think of too much. I can't. I can't really think of anything either. Uh, cause who's not dusted? It's uh, Panthers dusted. Um, Okoye is not dusted. Mbaku yes. is not dusted. I think that might they that, they have potential to to play a big a decent part. Shuri has been dusted. The trail has confirmed yes. that for us, which is sad. Um, but yeah, no, uh, not really much. Um, it's not gonna play a whole a whole part now that a good chunk of that cast is dusted. Yeah. Um. So that leads us to Infinity War. Um. Everything. Yep. This is. I would literally like. Yeah. Everything's important in this movie. Yeah. I've, I've, <laughs> I'm considering going back and rewatching Infinity War before I go watch Endgame. Yeah, this is like part one and part two type thing. There's yeah. everything in Infinity War, I'm sure, will come back in some capacity. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it's it's too hard to narrow it down to stuff, but... Yeah. If it, just all of Infinity War. Yes. So, the big takeaway from uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp... Quantum uh, Realm. The Quantum Realm, yes. But... The end credit scene or mid credit scene is uh, Scott, Hope, Hank, and now Hank's wife, whose name I'm blanking on, Janet. All run- Janet are all running running a test on a miniature version of the machine that gets them to the quantum quantum, quantum realm to get healing particles because there's particles in the in the quantum realm you can use to actually legitimately heal uh, superpowered people like on an atomic level. Which is really cool. Um, but the big thing is, so they send Scott down to get the particles, and then whoever is you know outside the, that realm hits a button to let him back up. But as soon as they let him, they send him down, the snap happens. So yep. going in, so going into Endgame, Ant-Man is stuck in the quantum realm. Yep. Which, so yeah, how which makes his appearance even crazier? Yes. So how does he come back? How does the quantum realm impact the rest of the Avengers? How does that factor into the greater plan? Be aware of what the quantum realm is. How it can impact the story overall? Um, which leads us to Captain Marvel. Um, not a whole lot here, actually. Just more be familiar with the character of Captain Marvel how powerful she is and what her capabilities are. And then her end credit scene more or less lines up with the end credit scene of Infinity War of the pager. So it's basically just the Avengers got the pager and now have the page from uh, Captain Marvel. She's there now. That's about it. Oh, cool. All right, fun. Um, nothing else from Captain Marvel that I could think of. Any other ones that we may have missed? Um... Nothing that I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, really, like, I, honestly, just watch Infinity War. I think all the information you really need to know is there. Half the um, universe is dead. Yeah, I, I think all the stuff we're mentioning from Phase 3 movies are kind of things that could potentially maybe make a, I think maybe just a cameo level. Make sure appearance. you go back and watch John Wick. 
Yes. Wait, why? Because you know John Wick is going to jump in before the grand finale, put on a Quantum Realm suit, kill Thanos for killing his dog. Well, yeah, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And uh, just know that um, Ant-Man's going to come out of the Quantum Realm and he's going to shrink down nope. really small. Nope, and got- <laughs> Woo. And I love that I sent you too. I sent you that that post of that the Ant the Ant Man meme stopped as soon as the the spoiler uh, talk started of like, hey, don't spoil the movie. Yeah, I doubt that's where they're going to be headed. <laughs> Here's the thing: is and I saw this this posted somewhere. He could literally go into any other orifice, and it would be more damaging. And up the one that the, the the memes are about. Literally, go in his ear, aim for the go head. Go in his mouth, his nose, anything except for that. No. Oh. Um, but yeah, I'm so excited to see this movie. I don't think it's hyperbole at all to say this is one of the, if not the biggest movie of all time. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm least, just excited least, to be in the crowd for this. I love that type yeah. of crowd energy. At least, like, the biggest superhero movie, at the very least. But Oh, absolutely. It, it, it definitely has... It, uh, this is 10 years worth of storytelling. that leg- These movies have legitimately impacted our generation and the generation before us and the current generation coming up. Like, these, they, they've really worked hard for this, which is why... Some of the you know interviews that we've seen as far as the Avengers cast interacting with Brie Larson is low-key kind of a big deal. There's a comment that, that Don Cheadle makes is like, we built this – basically, we've built this world. All she's got to do is not screw it up. Yeah, basically. All these newcomers. Yeah. Well, I'm super hyped. I'm ready to see this finally. I can't believe it's finally here. Um, so yeah, I'm just hyped. What do you guys think? What are some important takeaways to take out of phase three? What's your favorite and least favorite films of phase three? Let us know. We love interacting with you guys. Uh, and if you like what you hear and you want to hear more, subscribe to us on whatever audio channel you're listening to us on, whether that be YouTube, uh, Google podcasts, iTunes, whatever else. And of course, subscribe to us on the YouTube channel at Uncharted Media. And as always, stay sharp movie guys and gals.